open your Bibles this morning to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. There is a song that we sing at certain times of the year, at certain events. I remember hearing it at many 4th of July church services. Uh, I remember hearing it during the funeral of Ronald Reagan on TV. Uh, most famously, I remember a rendition that's done by Elvis. Uh, whenever we sing it, we sing it with great gusto. We sing it uh, really as a type of celebration. Uh, the song goes like this. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. The chorus goes, glory, glory, hallelujah. That's a word that means praise the Lord. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. I wonder if we ever think about uh, the words that we're singing when we sing that song. Friends, that song is about the pouring out of God's judgment. Uh, that song is about the administration of God's justice and God's anger towards sinners being unleashed, his wrath towards sinners being known. And that is what that song is about. And we sing it with great gusto. We sing it uh, as good news. When I think about that, I think about all those events, that seems strange to me. Uh, but here's the deal this morning. Listen very carefully. God's judgment of sin and of sinners is good news. Now, I want you to hear that again. God's judgment of sin and sinners is good news. It is good news. And so, yes, we can sing glory, glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. It is good news. God's judgment is coming soon. And friends, listen today, it is good news. Today we continue our study in the book of Revelation. We continue moving right along. Today our sermon is entitled, The Timely Harvest of the Grapes of Wrath. The Timely Harvest of the Grapes of Wrath. We're in Revelation chapter 14. Today we're going to go verses 14 through 20. The timely harvest of the grapes of wrath. Revelation chapter 14, verses 14 through 20. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 14, God's word says, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar. And he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. 
and the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out from the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, we come. We're thankful for this Lord's Day. We're thankful for the opportunity to come together as your people, as the church, and to sing and to fellowship and to pray and to encourage and, and to most of all be encouraged by you, by your truth, by your word. Lord, I pray in this hour now that you would speak. I pray that you would speak clearly through the preaching of your word. I pray that we would have ears to hear it, hearts and minds to understand it, faithful feet to walk it out, to carry it out. Lord, I'm thankful for this one and his testimony of baptism today. I pray that he would find a church that would walk with him and encourage him and build him. And I pray that he would stand as a, as a warrior for the cause of Jesus Christ. Lord, again, we come, we give you this hour. I pray that you would move in it. I pray for some that do not know you, that in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus, that today might be the day of their salvation, that any hindrance to that would be removed. Lord, again, we just tell you we love you, we praise you, we exalt you, we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today, as we resume the 14th chapter, we find ourselves again in really an interlude of good news. Uh, following the hard news of the 12th and the 13th chapter, uh, the 14th chapter serves really as a brief reprieve uh, to encourage and to remind us there is good news. Uh, where in the previous chapters we learned of the devil and his wickedness and his evil scheme, where we learned of the Antichrist, we learned of the false prophet and their gospel of lies, now here in the 14th chapter, it is put back before our eyes that even in the midst of that, there is good news. Now, I said it last week. I want to say it again this week. Be sure and get that. Be sure and understand that, especially in the days we're living in. As believers of follow and followers of Jesus Christ, we have good news. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is good news. When we look around and see all the things, the crazy things, the disgusting things happening in our world today, we can understand Come what may, we have good news. As the 14th chapter starts, how awesome uh, that John looks over and he sees there is this lamb standing on Mount Zion. I want you to go with me. I'm going to read that first verse. It says this, And then I looked and behold a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Again, here the 14th chapter starts. Uh, John looks over. He sees there is a, a, a white cloud. He sees that there is Jesus standing on that white cloud. Standing with him are the 144,000 who were slain in the days of the tribulation for their faith in Jesus Christ. Now they stand uh, in victory. There is good news. Uh, on top of that, there is announced Babylon the Great, the empire that is set against God. It has fallen. That is told to us in the 13th chapter, in the early 14th chapter. Uh, we know that this evil empire, uh, the enemy of God, is doomed. It does not last. There is good news. Not only that, 
But we saw last week that the justice of God will prevail. Uh, those who had rebelled against God by taking the mark of the beast, they are judged. Uh, we ended last week with an awesome verse in verse 13. I want to go back and read it right now. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Listen to that. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds will follow them. There is good news. Verse 13 tells us there is victory in Jesus. Well, now as we move along today, as we come now to the finish of the 14th chapter, there is more good news. And so we've moved to the 14th chapter, and we see Jesus standing on Mount Zion. We see that there is going to be the defeat and the fall of Babylon the Great. We see that there's going to be judgment for those that have turned against Christ. And now we're moving along in the 14th chapter, and we see there is even more good news. There's even more good news. Let me go and start now at the 14th verse. It says this. And then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Uh, understand in the 14th verse, John again looks, and he sees a white cloud. And sitting on the white cloud, it says, was one like a son of man. Now, this is a title for the Christ, for the Messiah. It's used often in Scripture. It's used many times in the New Testament. And so he looks and he sees a white cloud. He sees one sitting on the white cloud as a son of man. It says, on his head is a golden crown. Now, this is a sign of victory. It is a victor's crown, but it's also a sign of royalty. It's also a sign of one who rules. And so here is this white cloud, and on it sits one like a son of man with a crown on his head. Now the description goes on. We see that picture. It goes on and it says this, and a sharp sickle is in his hand. Now the sharp sickle was an instrument of the harvest. It was used in harvest. Now right here I want to turn back to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. I'm going to turn back to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I kept looking in the night visions, listen, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the people's nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Understand, that was written about 600 years earlier. Uh, it was written even before the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, what we take away from that is the understanding that the one that is described to us now in verse 14 is Jesus himself, the prophesied Messiah. In Joel chapter 3, verse 13, we see that a harvest is used to describe 
the judgment. It is used to describe God's judgment. And so I want you to understand this. Here in this verse, we see a picture of Jesus, and he is coming to judge. That's what's revealed to us in the 14th verse. Here is a picture of Jesus, and he is coming in judgment. Now, I want you to think about that for just a second. We have many pictures of Jesus, many images of Jesus that we like to imagine. Well, I can go and think about all those. We like to picture Jesus, the creator God, all things coming to being through him. The book of Colossians tells us that. We like to picture Jesus, the word of God. In the beginning was the word. Jesus is the revelation of God. What we know of him, we see in Jesus. We like to think about Jesus, the Lamb of God, the perfect one who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We like to picture Jesus, the baby of Bethlehem, especially in the time of the year that we're entering into. Uh, we like to picture him as a baby, and he is God who has come in flesh. He is placed in a manger, our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Uh, we like to picture Jesus the friend of sinners. And I like to think about him as that. I like to picture him as he looks up in the tree and he sees Zacchaeus. I like to picture him as he stops by the roadside and there he talks to blind Bartimaeus. I like to think about him as he sits at the well with the avoided woman of Samaria. And all oh, the pictures we have of Jesus, the friend of sinners. Or we like to picture him as the miraculous Lord over nature. And we see him as he walks easily pacing over the water. We see him as he calms the raging sea, peace be still. Or perhaps we like to picture him as the savior of the cross, the defeater of death, the one that walks in victory and power out of the grave and he is alive. He is not here for he has risen. All of these pictures of Jesus and then there's this one. All of these tremendous pictures of Jesus, and then there is this one. Jesus the Christ come in victory to judge. Jesus come to judge the sins of the world. Now from its inclusion here, its placement here in the 14th chapter, we know that this too is good news. And so here's what we need to see today as we begin. Jesus coming to judge is good news. It's included in this 14th chapter. In the 14th chapter is a telling to us of good news. And so we see a picture of Jesus coming to judge, and that picture is good news. Let me read the 14th verse again. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Verse 15. And another angel came out of the temple, crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Verse 15, an angel then comes out of the heavenly temple, and he cries out, really, the time is now. The time is at hand. Execute your judgment. We know that time is precious. In our study of Revelation, we see that time is urgent. Here in this 15th verse, we now find that time is set by God himself. 
Be sure he alone knows the time. Be sure he alone decides the time. For years, even ages, he has been patient. Now we see the time has come. And another angel came out of the temple, crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. All right, verse 16, moving on. Then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. The picture of verse 16 is of a grain harvest. Uh, in the picture, the reaper comes. He swings his sickle. Uh, it is a sharp sickle, and so it is a swift harvest. It is a smooth harvest, and just like it starts, it finishes, and it is complete. The grain is cut down, and the verse says this, and the earth was reaped, and the earth was reaped. I want you to understand what that's saying. Those who had mocked God, those who had rebelled against God, those who had heard the gospel of grace, but they would not have it, they are now cut down, and they are gathered up, and the earth was reaped. The account goes on, verse 17. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Another angel comes out, and now this angel also has a sharp sickle. Evidently, he also is going to aid in the harvest of judgment. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Verse 18. Then another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar, and he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are ripe. Where the above harvest that we just talked about was a harvest of grain, uh, moving into this harvest, it is now a harvest of grapes. Another angel comes forth. Uh, it is told to us that this angel is over fire. Fire also is a tool of God's judgment. And he says, put in your sickle because the grapes are ripe. Notice here in verse 18, these grapes, it says, are of the vine of the earth. Now that's worth understanding. It's these grapes that are cut down, they are of the vine of the earth. Be sure this is not the fruit of God's vineyard, but rather this is the produce of the world. A vineyard that has been set against God has produced this fruit, and it is rotten fruit, fruit only fit to be gathered up and destroyed. Verse 19, so the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Verse 19 tells us this harvest is cut down, uh, it is gathered up, and then it is thrown. Notice the language there. It is thrown into the great winepress of the wrath of God. See this, this gathering of this foul harvest is placed into this winepress that will crush them in the anger of God. They will be crushed in the wrath of God. And so here comes this sickle. They are cut down. They are gathered up. 
They are thrown into this wine press, and it is the wine press of the wrath of God. They're going to be crushed in the anger, the wrath of God towards sin. In this next verse, we have the first reference to the battle of Armageddon that's going to be told to us in chapter 19. So in chapter 19, we'll have more detail on this battle. But here we have uh, the first reference to the battle of Armageddon coming in chapter 19. All right, verse 20, it says this. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out from the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. Listen to that again. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out from the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. It is a stark thing revealed to us in the 20th verse. In verse 20, it is not wine, foul or otherwise, that's going to flow from this wine press. It is blood that will come forth out of this wine press. It is the blood of humans. Uh, I read as I was studying that the distance of 200 miles uh, is able to cover the length of Israel from the top to the bottom. Uh, In the center of that, exactly in the center of that, is Megiddo, the Mount of Armageddon. Well, the Bible says in this distance, the blood will be up to a horse's bridle from 36 to 48 inches deep. As grotesque as that is, here's what we need to understand. This judgment of the wicked is going to be so massive. It's going to be so complete that it's not like anything we can ever imagine. We read that. We try to understand that. But this judgment of the wicked, it's going to be so complete that we can't even imagine it. And crushed in the fierce wrath of God, this blood is going to flow and God's judgment will be served. Now here's the odd thing. And in the 14th chapter, we are told that is good news. As we read this section of good news, this interlude of good news, this is the closing section to it. We hear of the wrath of God being poured out, the judgment of sinners, and it's placed in a place of good news. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are told this is good news. Let me be honest with you right here. That's hard to fathom. And I hear about Jesus with a sickle. I hear about this angel also with a sickle. I hear about the striking down of these that have rebelled against God. I hear of their being placed in the the wine press of God's anger. We hear of them being crushed under the wrath of God, that, that is hard to fathom. That is hard to think about. Really, it's, 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 it's hard to, to picture. And in my mind as I read that, I think, what in the world? What in the world? How is that good news? What in the world? That seems terrible. How is that good news? Well, today as we end, I'm going to tell you three reasons that the judgment of God is good news. It's hard to understand. It's hard to see. Hopefully, we're going to fix that in a second. But as we end today, I'm going to tell you three reasons that the judgment of God is good news. The first reason is this. In the judgment of God, sin is punished, evil is judged, and both will be removed. I want you to hear that again. The reason it is good news is because in the judgment of God, sin is punished, Evil is judged, and both 
will be removed. Do you hear that? We're looking forward to a day of no more sin. We're looking forward to a day of no more evil, no stain of sin. We're looking forward to a day when peace will be without end. We're looking forward to a day that there'll be joy forevermore. Well, understand that is ushered in as sin is punished and evil is judged and both of those are removed. And so I'm looking forward to a day there's going to be no more sin and no more effect of sin and no more impact of sin and no more shame of sin. Those things will be removed in God's judgment and removal of sin. Praise the Lord. It is good news. Second reason the judgment of God is good news is because in the judgment of God, justice will be served and then only justice will stand. Hear that again. The second reason the judgment of God is good news is because in the judgment of God, justice will be served and then only justice will stand. Listen very carefully. Every score will be settled. Every wrong that's ever been wrong, it's going to be made right. And you can think about all the wrongs that have been done through all the generations, all the scores that were left unsettled, and you would say, well, that wasn't right. That's, that's not fair. That's not just. Listen, in that judgment, every score is going to be settled. Every wrong is going to be made right. And justice will stand. And from that day forward, it will only be justice forevermore. Praise the Lord. All the wrongs are going to be set right. Every, every wrong is going to be made right. Praise the Lord. That's good news. Pretty awesome. The best one, I believe, is last. Now, I want you to listen very carefully to this last one. The best one is last. The judgment of God is good news because it is then that the extent of the mercy and the grace of God will be finally and fully known to the glory of God. Listen to that again. I'm going to say it again, and then I'm going to explain it. The judgment of God is good news because it is then that the extent of the mercy and the grace of God will be finally and fully known to the glory of God. Go with me. As I read this account, I went. As I read this account, I am silent. I am in reverent awe. Because I know as I hear this account, the, the rebels are cut down. Those that have rebelled against God, they are cut down. And because of their sin, they are crushed in the wrath of God. And I know such was I. And I know that this was my punishment. And I know that that is my death, and I know that I deserved it. What anybody's doing but my own, I know that I deserved it. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. Listen to me, that was my sin. That is my punishment that I earned, were it not for Jesus. And as I read that, I know that Jesus endured that. For me, and he endured that for all sinners. That's why the book of Isaiah says he was crushed for our iniquities. Do you understand the language? He was crushed under the winepress of God's anger towards sin, and he paid for sin there. And at Calvary, it was his blood that ran out on a hill outside of that same town. His blood ran out. And as we survey the winepress of God's anger, 
I want to tell you as we look at it and we realize our own sin, it is then and only then that we can glory in the true mercy of God. It is then and only then that we can glory in the true grace of God. Oh, what a Savior we have. He went to that wine press. He was crushed for our sin. Jesus paid it all. What a Savior we have. What a Savior we have. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so as we stand and survey the events of this fierce wine press of God, we see our Savior, Jesus. We see his kindness shown to us, his mercy shown to us. And then we can sing, glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. Friends, do you know the grace of God? Do you know the forgiveness that he offers through the Lamb, Jesus? Do you know Jesus today? I want to tell you, we read this, and this is the truth of God's word. There is a judgment coming for those outside of Christ. There is a price to pay this death for those outside of, of, of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. Today is offered to you. Today, God's grace is offered to you in the gospel of his son, Jesus. If you'll trust him, he'll forgive you today. If you'll trust him, he'll save you today. Do you know the grace of God? Do you know Jesus? I wonder how many folks would say, you know what, I've heard that a bunch of times. But you know what, I've really never done anything with it. I've heard that a bunch of times. Maybe my grandparents told me a lot about that, but you know, I've never done anything with it. Listen to me, those outside of a saving faith, trust in Jesus will perish. The good news, if you'll turn to Jesus, he'll forgive you, he'll save you right now. He has paid it all. We trust in him and we are saved. Do you know the grace of God? Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we praise you today. We thank you, we worship you, we exalt you. Lord, we come and, and we hear this good news that there's gonna be a day of no more sin and no more sorrow and no more crime and no more division. No more fighting and no, the lack of peace will be removed. There'll be joy and peace, unity forevermore in the Savior, Jesus. We're thankful that as we see the righteous wrath of God towards sin and we understand our own sin, we understand Jesus paid it for us, that it's settled already, paid in full. And so, Lord, we say, yes, you are, you are kind to sinners. Yes, you are merciful beyond what we understand. Yes, you are gracious beyond what we can comprehend. And so we tell you, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. Lord, I, I pray for some that do not know you, some that are still standing in the weight of their own sin, the shame of their own sin. They're tired of it. They're weary and they're burdened by it. Lord, I pray that today they would turn to you, and they would trust you, and they would be forgiven, restored, renewed in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for us that have trusted you. I pray that we're encouraged today that these days are coming and that we're encouraged today that we have a gospel to spread to tell to a lost and dying world. Help us in that. Lord, we come and we praise you and we thank you and we worship you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I, as I was just saying, I want to tell you the good news is this gospel is still good news today. It's still God's grace to you today. If you're here in this service and you say, you know what, I've never trusted Christ like that. Maybe I've never understood him like that, but here I am and I'm sick of my sin. I'm sorry for it. I'm sick of it. And I want to turn to him and today I want to be forgiven and I want to be restored. 
And I want to walk with him. And so maybe today's the day you'd say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, save me, forgive me. Best I know how, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. Maybe that's your declaration today. Settle that today. Maybe you need more information. You come, let's talk it through. Let me show you what the word of God says. Let's take care of that. Let's settle that today. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never followed in believer's baptism, uh, showing what you believe of Christ as this one did today, a testimony. Maybe you need to come in obedience to Christ and say, you know what, I need that testimony to stand in my life. And you come, we'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. And together we'll stand on his word. We'll preach his good news until he comes back for us. Maybe today you're going through stuff altogether different. Maybe I don't know what it is. Maybe nobody does. Maybe you want to come pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. The Bible says, God says, nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. If God is speaking to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.